I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the ICH to the MKG. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? ICH. Oh, man. Um, Isaac Charlton Harris, right? Isn't that what your middle name is? Yeah. How'd you know that? Charlton? I just, I don't know. Pulled it pulled it from somewhere, deep in the Ta- recesses. Taco? Um... <laughs> Yeah, man, we we have one more game left, one more Mavs game before the All Star break. Much needed break for everybody. You know, when this break comes, a lot of people they go off on vacation. A lot of people go out of the country, um, go to some island, spend time with family. So I know players are super excited about it. Uh, usually that last home game before the All Star break tomorrow, you know, tonight Wednesday night against the Kings. Uh, players will be getting out of there pretty quick because it's break time then. And so I'm happy for them, everybody except Luca. And Luca will have a, a fun uh, weekend in Chicago that we'll all be excited for. And uh, we're going to talk all about All-Star Weekend on Thursday. But I think it's important, I think, for us and the Mavericks to really focus on this game against the Kings tonight because, you know, you're coming off the bad loss to the Jazz. This is a key game. Welcoming Luca back, possibly MKG's first game. This would be a huge win tonight if they can pull this off heading into the break. Huge win for just like momentum and confidence and everything. For the fan base too and the team. A win against the Kings at home? With, I don't care with who it Luka is. Back? I don't care who it is. I, it could be the Hawks for all I care. It, just a win in your building. Lucas first game back. I mean, okay, imagine if they go and they lose in Luca's first game. Yeah, this like, oh, is dang. this is the definition of, you know, of not being able to win either way though. If they lose, then God, everyone would just I mean, that everyone would freak out. Another home loss, this time with Luca, all this stuff. If that's they all win, we have to talk about for like a week. Yeah, yeah. And if they win, then well, they just took care of business, that's what they should do. No, I think it's more it's better if I mean the Kings. Who's gonna give them credit for beating the Kings? First of all, the Kings haven't been horrific as of late. And then, two, it is Lucas' first game back. I mean, he's missed, what, seven games uh, since injuring his ankle again. And I think at this point, it's just just a win. Just after that Jazz game, you know, fan base is still, you know, upset, which, you know, everybody's upset about something right now. But <laughs> it, would just be a, it would just be a good win to hold you over until, you know, that following week after the break. Yeah, on the pod today, we're going to talk about Luca's return tonight. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're also going to talk about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. We had we had him at practice, and so there's a couple of quotes there we'll talk about. Um, the way that Carlisle and the rest of the Mavericks feel that MKG can be used, uh, I thought was pretty interesting. And so we'll talk about that. And then uh, on Twitter, I tweeted out this insane spreadsheet i went compl- i went full nerd on on the the home losses and i tracked every single home loss that the mavericks had all 14 of them and put different you know categories and things and tried to figure out where all these losses were coming from uh, and so we'll talk all about that we're going to dive deep into the home losses and see which ones we think that 
you know, the Mavericks probably should have won or which one's the Mavericks. You know, actually, that one probably makes sense that the Mavericks gave that one up and try to put some context in onto these home losses. Not excuses, right? Like, the Mavericks should take care of business and you know, a lot of these games. A lot of them are clutch games. Um, but we'll talk about that. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about on today's pod. Luka coming back tonight. What do you expect? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I expect a... A normal Luca. I mean, Luca's just anxious to get back out there again, and you know the, the team obviously needs him. It was up to him, right, whether he wanted to play or not. Yeah, and you know this is, you know, yeah, it's the last game for All Star break. I've been saying I would be surprised. I am surprised that he's coming back for this game, uh, just because I I just thought him and the franchise would be like, hey, what's gonna, what's it, you know, what's it worth another game? Let him for sure be healthy for the All Star game this weekend. It's just huge for him and the franchise and everything. But but you love to see it from Luca and the fact that he wants to be out there and let's you know get out there, get some run in, let's try to get a win before the break. And so I'm happy for him. You know he's not going to solve everything. I mean I you know I I tweeted out the other night during he does, the Jazz. Well, I tweeted out during the Jazz game. I said I miss Luca when they were down by like twenty, and like all these people were replying back to me like he's not going to solve our defense. It's not like he's going to fix the defense. I'm like, guys, I, I get that. They still got to work. Yeah, defensively. but in, instead of being sixty-one to forty, it would be sixty-one to fifty-nine, right? Like with yeah. with Luca, he adds that much to the offense, and that's that's one thing with these home losses that we'll talk about. That you know, the Mavericks have to outscore the opponents right now. Um, but I think at this point, it's just. You want to see him and KP together at all, you know, at any time. And I was just I was talking to a guy the other day, and he's like, I feel like it, you know, at this point, I feel like over the past three or four weeks, it's like a rare sighting to catch him and you know Luca and KP in the same game, whether it's Luca's you know a- ankle stuff and KP's like rest stuff lately and all it. So I we, I want to see. I'm looking forward most after the All Star break a consecutive two weeks of KP and Luca again, like. Getting multiple games going underneath their belt, not just hit or miss games, stuff like that. So yeah, that's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm excited to see like how they how they respond. This even if since even if Luca didn't play against the Jazz, he was there. He watched it. He saw them get beat. I think this is a response game for the Mavericks. Uh, I think I agree with you in the sense that emotionally, if they win tonight and they win big, that's going to be a, a great game. It'd be awesome if they won by like 25, right? Like if they came out tonight and just absolutely blew the doors off the Kings. And I think that's a good moral victory going into moral victory and literal victory going into the you know the All Star weekend. All right, I will uh, say Sacramento's six and three over their last nine games, so they haven't been horrible. Cool, good for them. All right, coming up, let's get into the uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist comments from practice today, and then we'll talk about the Mavericks' home issues. All right, Isaac. Um, Michael K. Gilchrist was at practice. He talked to the media today. Um, one interesting thing, and let's start with this. Rick Carlisle says that he views Michael Kidd-Gilchrist as more of a 4-5 positionally, playing as a switch-heavy defender. Who called that yesterday? Yeah, we <laughs> talked about on the pod that, you know, I even jokes of saying, could he take Willie Cauley-Stein's minutes more than Justin Jackson's minutes? Not and, a joke. Yeah, and, and it, you know, somebody sent me last night, and I, I was texting with Jonathan Charks about it today, that Charks wrote this of the ringer. He wrote this piece uh, back in 2018, October, I think. Yeah, 2018. Real early and, in the season, but that season started early. But that season was the one that started like October 1st or something. Yeah, and it was just, you know, it was an early piece. It was a couple weeks into the season, and Charlotte 
had they were trying to figure out MKG again. You know, it's his it's seventh year in the league, basically. And it's like, what can we do to maximize his potential, his, his skill set and everything? And Charks wrote in this piece of saying, you know, instead of comparing MKG to Tony Allen, you know, Borrega in Charlotte said, you know, they looked at it and said, well, can he be our version? And I know it's a lofty name because of his role, but can he be our Draymond Green in Charlotte of putting him at this small ball center role because in the in today's game you got to have shooters we know this we've talked about it a thousand times and but if you're if you're one non-shooter is at the center position and you make him a rebounder defending roller to the basket so Charks is literally pieces talking about the first couple weeks of the season that's what they were doing with MKG they were bringing him off the bench in this like bench role I mean in this uh, center at the five spot and it was working over those first few weeks and they eventually uh, stopped doing that but still uh, that's kind of I feel like that could be a small blueprint into how like we could see Dallas use him moving forward. Yeah, the Mavericks can absolutely, they can get away with lineups like that where they play Maxi and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. That's your front court, right? And then they play the three guards, you know, like Curry, Brunson, and DeLon or whoever else they decide to play. And they can absolutely get away with bench lineups like that. Uh, we're not talking about starting him, and I don't think that anybody at this point is talking about starting Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Um, but, you know, I think that's how they're going to play him. Did anything else stick out to you from... Um, from practice, we saw a couple of videos of him shooting, uh, and the, the one thing that really stuck out to me is that his three-point shot and his free throw shot, the form is completely different. It's like, I don't know, uh, like there are. <laughs> this is gonna sound so. Oh stu- no! This is gonna sound so stupid. Um, in the Little Mermaid, <laughs> in Star Wars, there's different way. There's different forms that people study in lightsaber fighting. There's some where you hold it with two hands out in front of you. There's one where you pull it back and hold it backwards with one hand. There's di- there's all these different forms that you can use, and there's like ways that you can master, and there's certain forms that came from certain places, and there's all this lore on it. Uh, and Michael K. Gilchrist did not focus on just one form. He decided to study two different forms to do two different things, and uh, the free throw is working a little bit, and the three-point is not at all. Like it, That form he like made up himself in his garage. It is a very unique form, and you know we'll see what Dallas does with it. You know, you know Peter Patton, shooting coach for for Dallas, uh, even in you know live you you know probably saw videos and stuff on Twitter. You can see uh, a coach there. Uh, Brad just follow, Townsend's timeline, by the way, following him around the arc there and just watching uh, MKG, you know, shooting stuff. You know, he's like wondering, like, what do I do with this? Yeah, I think you can make out if you're a lip reader. I think you can make out WTF that he just like just like said. <laughs> but listen, like. You got to look at what MKG can do and try to maximize those strengths by bringing in a flyer type like him. And like, hey, we saw against the Jazz, Dallas sucked at defense in that first half. Yeah. And MKG's a great defender. So hey, yeah. if somebody can play defense, sure, let's give him. You know, let's give it a shot. And I think the one thing that stuck out to me a lot, you know, just hearing him talk of practice and stuff, um, was just like his. You know he's excited to get going in Dallas. You know he he mentioned the <clears throat> um, he mentioned that hey I'm excited to be a part of a winning culture. He even said you know a dream come true. He talked about being 18 years old. And can now we can we stop right there with the winning culture? Like heck yeah. I mean I'm, I'm, imagine last year the year before somebody coming in and saying that this is a winning culture. Like heck yeah that the Mavericks were able to bridge that gap between Dirk and all that winning that they did those terrible couple seasons, and then now here we are back again. 
the Mavericks are back to being a win- considered a winning culture. Like that's yeah. a huge win, and I think that the fan base should be so proud of this organization because of that. Just right there, the the fact that other players consider this a winning culture still. Yeah, and I think it uh, shows you just a glimpse into the importance of a winning culture too. That players, you know, can grow from that. Players desire that to where you get in some of these situations, some of these organizations where the fan base is constantly saying, "Hey, if we can't win a title, let's just tank, tank, tank." And you start building a. I'm not saying Charlotte did that, but I'm saying if you start building that culture to where you just lose all the time every single year then it starts to take a toll on your players. And and, so, and for him to even talk about, like, he came in the league when he's 18, and he you know and now he's 26 years old, and he's been in Charlotte that whole time. So I always, I've mentioned this a thousand times, I love seeing players, and I want to give players these shots that have been in the league their whole career with some of these bad teams, go to a winning culture, a winning situation. He knows this is a playoff team. He knows that, you know, talking with Rick and stuff before, they're going to maximize his strength. So, um, but saying all that, great things, go right back to just manage the expectations with this. Don't sit there and be like, holy crap, this is Draymond. Let's go. At, at the top of this, that he he could be a solid bench piece coming out and a situational exactly. defender. That's that's the top of this, I think. Um, you know, you can go pie in the sky like Dalton Trigg level and decide that you want to just that he's gonna be a starter, right? Like you can be that optimistic. Um, but I, I warn you of going that optimistic. Wait, did Dalton say he's gonna be a starter? No, 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 but that's Dalton's MO. That's Dalton's thing. Oh, I love Dalton's positivity. <laughs> he's always the most positive of any. We yeah. do need more Daltons in the world because yeah. the, the negativity on yeah. Twitter is yeah, it's yeah. it's unbearable <laughs> at times. The other day, Kirk said that Dalton would be able to find some positives from uh, if a meteor hit Dallas, and then somebody somebody responded and said, "Man, look at everything Dallas did to to clear their cap sheet. Sheet <laughs> completely clear cap. That was funny. Uh, all right." Let's move on from Michael K. Gilchrist and move on to the Mavericks' home issues. They are right now 14-14 and 14 at home, which is wild. That's just insane. Uh, if you've looked at the Sixers, though, uh, the Sixers' issues are even crazier to me. Right now, the Philadelphia 76ers, they're playing as we're recording this, but um, they're 24-2 and two at home. Maybe they lost this game or maybe they won this game. They're playing against the Clippers. But 24-2, and two, insane record at home. 9-19 and 19 on the road. Which problem would you rather have? Be a terrible road team or be an average to terrible home team like the Mavericks? I would rather be the terrible home team. Yeah, right? But, you, you feel like it's it's more of a you know a glitch or like more of just a, something that you can overcome at home. But the road thing kind of feels like, I don't know, it, I, there's just so many narratives and ways you could take that. Yeah, I would much rather try to look at home situation, home crowd, you're building, you're used to it, and try to figure that out compared to, yeah, trying to figure out, man, we just can't win on the road. Like, we suck in all these different places and cities, and we can't find our groove and all this stuff. And even being a young team, uh, I'm, yeah, I would much rather be in this spot than the you know, vice versa. And it looks like the Mavericks are going to play in the playoffs on the road more than at home, so that, that could help them as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would, I wouldn't go as far as saying that you know that's the most ideal thing in the world, uh, but but is but it still, more ideal than playing at home more? Maybe. No, I don't. I think yeah, no, I think it, I think matchup means way more than home court advantage. 
So I took a look at the Mavericks 14 home, home losses and I tweeted out this spreadsheet. I went full nerd on it and I just put it in all these different categories. And so I wanted Such to nerd. try and talk about all these um, home losses and figure out how we can compartmentalize them and figure out uh, what went wrong, basically. So right now in home losses, Mavericks, again, 14 home losses. Their offensive rating is 107.9. The Mavericks' overall offensive rating, like overall, all games, 116.2. Mavericks score nine points per 100 possessions less, almost nine, uh, at home in in these home losses. Like Their offense just absolutely stalls out, which is insane. Uh, And their defense gets a little bit worse. Overall, they allow 110.7 points per 100 possessions, and in home loss, it's 116.2. Um, so that that gets worse, which you'd expect. These are all losses, obviously, but the difference in those two figures are just wild to me. Um, hmm. so these are the home losses. Uh, October twenty seventh at Portland, November first against the Lakers, uh, November eighth against the Knicks, November twenty sixth against the Clippers. December- I gotta pull this up, guys. If y'all want to pull up this, it's on Nick's Twitter. <laughs> so if you want to follow along, uh, follow along on Nick's Twitter. Right okay, now. I'll just say the the names of them. Uh, Blazers, Lakers, Knicks, Clippers, Kings, Heat, Celtics, Hornets, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Grizzlies, and then Utah that last game. Of those teams and of those losses, the Mavericks have lost nine of their 14 home losses to above 500 teams. The Lakers twice, the Clippers twice, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Heat, the Celtics, and then the Grizzlies. I mean, those are games that you go into and – Home or away, you don't know if you're expected to win, right? Like we we try not to play that game, but those are games where the Mavericks wouldn't be favored. Any of those games besides the Grizzlies. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying. I'm looking at your graph now. Um, My graph. And yeah, did you mention did or the spreadsheet? Did you mention the Knicks loss? I'm just I saying these know. are the these are the above 500 teams. There's there's five games they lost at home that were under 500, and that's Portland, the first game of the year. Uh, the Knicks, the Kings, the Hornets, and then the Suns. Those are the under 500 teams. So the, the Blazers are almost there, but the rest of yeah, them I are think, definitely I under think 500. Those are the ones that you know that obviously bother you the most. Right? Is these under 500 teams? And even I mean, yeah, you lose you lose to Memphis, but man, Memphis is rolling. I mean, they're they're a playoff team right now. And even the, well, we can we can continue talking about that game, but but yeah, I mean, there's other. You know, I think you have more stuff in this on like who played and who didn't, but you know, I think if you're looking at the worst ones, that Knicks one still just sucks. I mean, yeah. I hate every bit of that. And as far as the below 500 teams, the Sacramento loss that was dumb. I think one of the more more dumb ones was the Charlotte one that went you know went overtime. That one was Rick, tough. Rick Carl, I even mentioned that you know the the other day, and I think it's pregame or postgame, and. He actually talked about it in his pregame press conference and after the Washington heartbreaking finish, the very next morning they all came together, watched the end of that Washington game, figured out what they did wrong and all that stuff. And he said then they dove into the Charlotte tape. He said, Because he said, We had a bad home loss against that team, you know, earlier in the year. And he's referencing that you know, that overtime loss, you know, back in January. So just on the surface though, five I mean, I don't even know if you count the Portland game. If you don't count the Portland game, which was one of the first games of the year, that clutch game that came down to the end with the Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, foul, non-foul, coaches challenge, all that stuff. If you don't count that game, only four games that you would look at and say, man, those are bad home losses against teams that you you have no business losing to. 
It's only four of the 14, just to start. We'll get into some more stuff after that, but on the surface, those are the only ones that really stick out. Uh, But coming up, let's get into some other things. Uh, Let's look at injuries, who the Mavericks were missing in some of these games, how many of them are clutch games, and then rest is something I also looked at to see where the Mavericks are maybe struggling um, as far as how many days off they had before any of these games. So I know we're getting super nerdy into this, but uh, this we're trying to dive into why the Mavericks are bad at home. This is the question you guys have been asking us. So let's get into that coming up. All right, Isaac. Um, so we're looking right now at the Mavericks' home losses. There are 14 home losses that the Mavericks have right now. Uh, they're 14-14 at home. Uh, let's look at injuries right now. Um in these 14 home losses, Luco has been out or, or hurt. He got hurt in the Miami game. That was when they lost in overtime. Yeah, uh, he only played a couple minutes. He only played so a couple minutes, so I count him as out. Um, Luca missed four of those games. So four of your 14 home losses came without Luca. Uh, I think those are warranted <laughs> losses, yeah. no matter who they came to. Um, that was Miami, Boston, which those are tough anyway, um, and then Memphis and Utah. Like, those are really tough. All of those are really tough games. And then to come without Luka, you know, tried to say no excuses, but the Mavericks, that is a big excuse that the Mavericks, you know, not winning those games. You're dwindling some of these down and figuring out, you know, where they came from. But you you could counter a little bit of saying that means he was playing in, you know, in the games against the bad teams that they lost against. In 10 of the other ones. Yeah, he was. For sure. In the New York York loss, the Charlotte loss, you know, some of those that with him, they should have won those games, but. Keep going. Um, Porzingis has missed thir- has missed three of the fourteen losses. Um, and they're all in a row there. Uh, the Charlotte game, he was out. Denver, then the second Lakers game, he was out of all of those. Um, those are all obviously losses. Um, and so, and so they've never been both out together, Luca and KP. So seven of the Mavericks' fourteen home losses have come without one of Luca and Porzingis. That's what I was about to say. So you're saying you know seven seven. Of yeah, exactly what you said. So only only seven of those losses of the fourteen losses, you know, you you had one of those guys on the court, and for a team that is so top heavy with Luca and KP, no really defined third star, if you want to say, and all this, uh, a bunch of what we've termed and other people have turned outside of mass media as fifth starters, you know, that's not really expected. We're not making excuses, but we're you know, Nick's trying to put context to some of this. So many people right now, I'm, I'm glad Nick did this. We haven't talked about it before this podcast because so many people right now is looking at the situation and be like, gosh, we suck at home. But no, like hardly anybody's really diving into like the real context behind it of, all right, we suck at home, but is there any reasons behind it or, you know, what, you know, what happened in some of these games? And even just knowing that you're missing one of those star players for half of these home losses, that's huge in itself right there. That's big. And that Charlotte loss there without Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr., so you're missing two starters, you know, your second and third scorers. Luca was playing in that game, but those are those are big losses that you're missing. You're probably missing, you know, almost 40 points <laughs> between the two of them on any given night. Um, so uh, then we what move about on. the clutch stuff. Yeah, let's go. To, let's, let's go on to clutch. So um, the Mavericks, 14 home losses. Ten of them have been clutch games, which means it's within five points with five minutes to go or less. Uh, and then four of them are not clutch. Um, the four that are, were not clutch games were that first Clippers game, the first game the Mavericks ever actually got beat. Everybody was healthy. Uh, then the um, then the recent ones, the Lakers game, uh, the beginning of January, Porzingis was out of that game. That one was a 15-point loss. The, the Suns game that just cannot be 
explained. Uh, it was on the second night of a back-to-back, but they lost by almost 30. That was not a clutch game. Uh, Luka and KP both played in that game. And then the uh, the Memphis game, the one that Luka was out, Seth Curry was out, Dwight Powell was obviously out. They were on one day rest, and uh, that game did not come down to the clutch. They lost by 14. Uh, but all these other games, the Mavericks have been in. So if you, you want to even dive further into this, we should look at in those games where Luka was there, right? Like where Luka was there, how are they giving up these games? And they're all pretty much to you know really good teams. So games with the, games that came down to the clutch where Luka was playing, uh, Portland, Lakers, Knicks, <laughs> which is wild. Which that Lakers one should have been the win. That was the Seth that Curry was the, one. Yeah, it was a Seth Curry with Dwight, Dwight Howard foul. Um, that was not. The Kings, that one was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hornets, we just talked about that one without Porzingis, without Tim Hardaway Jr. Nuggets, uh, and then the Clippers again. That was a really tough loss. Uh, that came with three days rest. That was a, that was a big one. We talked about a lot. The Clippers just you know were a better team that night. Yeah. Um, and then Phoenix uh, on the second night of a back to back. Or no, that one wasn't clutch. Uh, but yeah, those are the only games with with Luca in the clutch, which is wild. That's just not a lot. Can I t- can I throw at you a few clutch stats just real quick? Let's do let's do the rest first before we get into that. Okay. Okay. So uh, I looked at how many days rest the Mavericks had before the game. Um, there was only two that were on the second night of a back to back. That terrible Suns loss um, at the end of January. That's that was the twenty nine point loss. Uh, that was the second night of a back to back. And then the Sacramento Kings loss was the second night of a back to back. That was a clutch one though. They did have Luca and Porzingis in that game uh, and were in it, but just came up short. Pretty much everything else was was one day of rest, um, and then there was two that were on two or three days rest. That first Lakers game, the overtime one that they lost, the Seth Dwight Howard one, that was two days rest, and then the Clippers lost that we just talked about, three days rest. Everything else was on one day of rest, um, which I thought was a little interesting. That Clippers one was huge. So I mean, we built that game up a lot. That was a huge game. Yeah. And I mean, it's still it was a really good game, and they played them really close. I mean, this could you know they lost by three. Be, yeah, this this could be a team that you know wins the wins the finals this for year. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a close loss at home for them. Give me some clutch stats. Well, I just you know we touched on this a while back, and you know you talking about clutch stuff now just made me you know look it up real quick and be like, hey, you know Dallas sucked in the clutch earlier in the season have any of these numbers gotten better since we've kind of talked about on the pod no they haven't (laughs) and so i I just want to point out a few of these things real quick one they played in 28 clutch games okay oklahoma city for example has played in 36 clutch games yeah it's the most can you you, you take a guess how many the bucks have played in oh i'm gonna say like 10 actually a little bit more than you think but they've played in 16 still not that that many more (laughs) No, but it's crazy <laughs> that the Thunder have played in 20 uh, more clutch games. But so in 28 clutch games, uh field goal percentage in the clutch in the in these clutch games, Dallas Mavericks 29th in the league in field goal percentage in the clutch in 30 37% from the field. Um you want to you know guess that three-point percentage is any different? No, no. it's not. <laughs> They're 29th in the league. Only the only other worst team is the Hawks. Uh in the clutch in these 28 games, Dallas Mavericks are shooting 22% from the three-point line Oof. in the clutch. And here's the kicker of all that we all get frustrated about. Free throws in the clutch. Free, throw, free throws attempts in the clutch. Dallas is 10th in the league in free throw attempts. But in free throw percentage in the clutch, Dallas is 27th in the league. Oof. 
at 69%. Basically, they need to shoot the ball better in the clutch, and that, that, that's a huge, huge thing for <laughs> Must them. Must put the ball in net more. I know. It's just that they're not hitting shots in the clutch, whether it's from the three-point line, from the field in general. And, it, you know, they're getting to the line. It shows you they're 10th in the league in free yeah. throw attempts in clutch. They're getting to the line in the clutch. They're just not hitting it. So, there you go. They still suck in the clutch right now. It's something they're going to figure out. They're a young, inexperienced team that we talk about. And uh, hopefully over – we all fall victims to saying the second half after the All-Star break. It's not the second half. We're already past that point. Yeah, we're past but, 15 um, games. <laughs> In post All Star portion of the season, hopefully that is you know something they get better at. Yeah. Okay. So looking at this chart, what things stick out to you? Let's say which ones are the the inexcusable losses. Um, I feel like there's only a couple. Um, I think that Kings loss, even though it was on the second night of a back to back, I feel like that's an inexcusable loss. You had both Luca and Porzingis. Well, I mean the Knicks loss for sure. I mean, oh yeah, let's start with that one. <laughs> the Knicks yeah, loss, no, you, you had both for sure. The day of rest. KP and Luka, one of the worst teams in the league. You should you know, win that game. That Hornets lost overtime one with Luka, but Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. were out one day of rest. That one's kind of inexcusable too. And then yeah. uh, the the Suns. The Phoenix one, yeah. The, the Suns lost um, by almost 30 on the second night of a back-to-back. Luka and Porzingis both played. Um, so right there, we just only came up with four inexcusable losses out of the 14. Um, so it's not as bad as... I mean, the Mavericks are bad at home. They're they're, they're bad in the clutch overall. But I don't think this home loss thing is as bad as we thought. A lot of these teams are really good. Like I said, 9 out of the 14 were teams that are over 500. we We're talking about the the Lakers twice, the Clippers twice. The Nuggets and the Jazz are amazing. The Heat and the Celtics. I mean, that's 8 games right there. 8 out of the 14 losses on teams that are like in the top 4 in their conference. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just teams over 500. These are teams that you're looking at, I mean, 2... You're looking at two losses, you know, two losses to the Lakers, two losses to the Clippers, two teams that are probably the two favorites, you know, besides the Bucks right now to win the title. Yeah. So that's four of your home losses right there, and majority of people would agree that you know Dallas is, isn't on that level right now. So, you know, they're losing against some of these really good teams at home. It's it once again, this isn't an excuse pod. We're just trying to add some context to some of it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, there are those four games though. We'll look, we'll look back to and be like the Mavericks should have gotten those games down. So for sure, there you go. You can check that chart on my Twitter at Nick Van Exit. You can also follow us at Locked On Mavs and follow Isaac at Isaac L Harris and. Got a game tonight. Watch on TV. Let's go. Luca's back. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.